White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Hey, bro. You know, here we are. Uh, we've already played 11 games. Can you believe we're on our last game of the season? It, it feels like impossible to be at this point already. I think it feels that way every single year. You know, I know. it's like the offseason is the longest thing in history. And the, and the regular season is the shortest thing in history. That's just the way it works for us college football fans. Well, you know, the nice thing about this particular season, even though we had some bumps in the road in the middle of the season, like we're we're finishing strong right now. And, um, you know, this is probably about as excited as I've been going into the last game of the season since we started this podcast. Oh, yeah, that's and definitely the first time since, um, you know, 2019, since we're going into this part of the season with uh, with momentum and energy. And of course, we kind of dropped a couple big ones near the end of that season. So it's kind of new territory for us in, in a lot of respects in terms of recent history. I, I mean, you have to be excited, at least the, tra- the trajectory of the program going into the final week with young players m- making meaningful, impactful uh, plays throughout the season, starting in week one. And, you know, obviously th- that's only been growing uh, going into the final week of this season. Uh, so we're looking at a possible 10 and two double digit win season in the regular season with a chance for a, a pretty good bowl uh, if we take care of business uh, against old Sparty. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to talk about that because I feel like uh, Michigan State presents somewhat of an enigma. Um, I'm not sure what to make of this team. I mean, they've looked awful for a lot of the season, but they still got a lot of talent on their team. Um, Could they pose a threat to Penn State who's been riding high? We'll we'll talk about that. Um, We're going to talk about that Rutgers beatdown. I don't know what else you can call that game. I mean, the only thing that I was disappointed with was that we didn't have a a shutout, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Slower. A lot start. of really interesting. A lot of really interesting things about that game. Um, we're going to talk about uh, the top twenty-five and things like that. But um, before we get into all that, I was just curious, you know, how you're doing, man, and uh, what's life held for you this last week or so. Oh man, well I, <laughs> I'm doing better than you. I'm hearing that you're rather sick this morning, and you're toughing it out on, on a big week for you, big big Thanksgiving week for you. Uh, yeah, and, I don't and know your if career. It's, um, <laughs> I don't know if it's just uh, kind of uh, pushing myself a little too hard the last few days, or if this is the beginning of uh, something like a a little flu run. It would be that that latter would be really really crummy. But uh, trying to power through. Um, it's also Eileen's birthday today. Yeah, so I'm just gonna pretend that I'm not sick. Is well, basically what's happening. <laughs> and 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 while you say, by the way, happy birthday, Eileen. And while you say it's Eileen's birthday, um, we here at at, at the, our house in Lakewood, Colorado, um, suburb of Denver, on your way west to Golden, Colorado. We had just celebrated my girlfriend's um, birthday this past weekend, a, a belated uh, soiree, excuse me, soiree we threw. We hired a couple bartenders and um, invited a bunch of our friends over and we had ourselves a pajama party with a high-end cocktail, uh, you know, uh, menu list. It was a, a whole lot of fun. And I actually Very was- Very swanky. I was. In pajamas. Swanky pajamas. Nice. Um, nice. So it was fun. Had a great time. Saw a lot of friends. Um, I actually was not 
as clued into the Rutgers game, um, given that this party was happening. I, I had it on. I didn't have the audio on and I was kind of coming and going. And, and fortunately, you know, during those early moments of Rutgers kind of posing, what seemed to be more of a threat than we would have liked, I wasn't yep. super clued in and I definitely wasn't clued into the, uh, to the text thread of, of, of us PSU, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, football fans of the, of the threat of the boys that were in here. And, um, because if I had been in on that thread while that was going on, man, I'm pretty sure I'd have been ticked off. And but I watched the game later, um, and uh, when things had calmed down, and was able to kind of wrap my brain around more in in the non-live variety, I was able to wrap my brain around more what the Rutgers game really held for Penn State, and it, you know what started slow ended very strong in a lot of phases of the game for sure. Yeah, uh, happy birthday to Kate, by the way. Yeah. Um, happy birthday to Eileen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, these uh, two wonderful women who mean so much to us and our lives and also who, you know, grant us the permission <laughs> to, to take over uh, the, the space of our calendar yeah. and house and everything like that to do this uh this uh, crazy labor of love uh, called Blue and White Brothers. Uh, but we're grateful for you guys and um, grateful for your support of our uh you know, habit. Yet uh, another season <laughs> of the Blue and White Brothers. Indeed. It wouldn't happen without you guys. So uh, we love you both and, and grateful for you and happy birthday. Well, with that, let's go ahead and just jump right into the news and notes. Interesting things happening at this time of the season. And because Penn State's been winning and, um, you know, continuing to play strong, it may actually have some implications for Penn State's year end results. Obviously, no. Uh, college football playoff hopes, but uh, in terms of where we may land. So um, some interest here in the top 25 and around the Big Ten. Uh, Let's dive in to the news and notes. News and notes. All right. Um, there were a lot of interesting games uh, early on. It looked like there might be some really big upsets that turned out not to be the case. Um, but those near upsets are just as significant as as some of the upsets. So let's let's jump right in with what was really the biggest matchup of the day. And um, I'll give you the headline. You give me the take. All right, bro. Um, number four. TCU hangs on versus unranked Baylor with a game-winning field goal as time expires, winning 29 to 28 to stay unbeaten. So this was a, a game that Penn State fans um, are, and any any fan really of, of a team that's on the outside of the playoff looking in, um, TCU losing would have been a, a big deal for Penn State because it would have potentially dropped TCU below us. Maybe, probably not, but it, it, at the very least, it allows for the um, opportunity for two Big Ten teams to get in. So that's why I was, um, you know, cluing into this game. And since it happened in the open or the opening time slot, the opening window of college football games, I was actually able to watch the majority of this game. Um, and man, it, Baylor had their number. They were they were they were in it in the very to the very end. And then, you know, that they had like I think TCU had like a minute and a half, a little less than a minute and a half to drive the length of the field to go get a, a game winning one point walk off field goal. And TCU did what championship teams do is they have the ball in the end. They're going to they're going to win in the end. And that's that's really what you have to take away from that is TCU hangs on to to, to stay undefeated through their first 11 games of the regular season. They have a chance to uh, I forget who they play upcoming this week. Andy, do you know who they who their next opponent is yet? Um, uh, shoot, I, I think it might be like Iowa State. Yeah, actually, you might be right. Um, but either way, and then 
Then they have the Big 12 championship. If, if, I don't, they can lose this game and still go to the Big 12 championship and potentially still Correct. have a shot, but they to, to secure their spot in the CFP, they have to win out, in my opinion. Um, I, that's not meaning to be so much of a tangent there, but that's my takeaway from that that game is it had it held a lot of implications in the, the grand scheme of the football, the college football scene and, and Penn State's uh, you know postseason. Moving on from number four to number five with a, a major upset, the biggest of the weekend for sure. Unranked South Carolina embarrasses number five Tennessee as Spencer Rattler scores six touchdowns on a way on the way to a 63 to 38 victory as a Gamecocks dash the volunteers college football playoff hopes. So a little bit, a uh, little bit of tangent here. Gonna, gonna, gonna paint this picture slightly. So, I think this is equally a very critical situation for Penn State's um, just overall ranking at the end of the season. Um, Tennessee losing now they have two losses. One loss is to the number one team in college football, where Tennessee basically was not very competitive at all. They scored a late touchdown to make the score look closer than it really was. They got dominated by Georgia. Their other loss, as you just laid out there, to an unranked South Carolina team that has four losses on the year. And just last week, South Carolina couldn't even score six points to a, I think now, five-loss Florida. And Florida just lost to, and there might be even six-loss Florida now. I'm not, I forget offhand. But Florida lost last week. Um, excuse me. Florida lost to Vanderbilt this past Saturday. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Okay, and Vanderbilt is bad. And they only scored, like I said, the Gamecocks only scored six points against Florida last week, uh, the, the week before, this past week. So if Tennessee is ranked ahead of Penn State, then then to me it's going to show that that committee's um, fallible bias towards towards the what you know year in and year out is regarded as the best conference because they produce the most CFB championship games and the most Heisman Trophy winners and the most draft picks yada yada whatever okay so but what what matters more you know having a, a, a ranked a ranked win on your schedule or losing to an unranked opponent like like we're gonna see what the committee values you know because Penn State's two losses are to two top three teams. And we have no other no other losses. That's it. We don't we don't have anything. We also don't have any quality wins to to speak of. I understand that, but to lose to a South Carolina team, not just to lose, to have what is it? Was it sixty eight or sixty three points that South 63. Carolina? Sixty three points. Your defense gave up sixty three. Go find me Ouch. a game. What's what's Penn State's highest point total that was scored against them? Michigan's forty five. Was that what uh, Michigan yeah. had? That's yeah. it. Forty five. Sure. To the number. Three ranked team in the country, we gave up forty five to an unranked team that couldn't score six points against Florida. They let sixty three points happen, and Spencer Rattler's been shaky too. And they scored on five of their opening possession, their first five possessions. South Carolina went down and scored, 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 scored. So crazy. So we're gonna see if it, you know. If Tennessee and the SEC is valued above, uh, you know, the third best team in the Big Ten, I, I don't have high hopes that, that we'll get the favorable ranking above them. And for that matter, I hope Oregon doesn't climb above us with their, you know, very sh- close win against Utah. Who and you know, Utah was tenth and o- Oregon was twelfth, and we're eleventh. So we'll see if they flip flop spots and we stay at eleven. I'll be ticked off, Andy. It'll grind my gears. Okay, it'll grind them. <laughs> 
Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously the, the story's not written on the rankings after this sure. weekend. We, sure. we have one more game as is everyone else in college football. And then there's the, the final championship weekend. So, but, they, but this um, time in the, in the CFP season is very telling and it will matter. It will matter. It's no longer the first week of the CFP rankings. This is like, no, I hear you. Absolutely. This is crunch time. Um, I'm just saying even, even if there's some of that SEC bias shown, I mean, who knows, maybe Tennessee loses again if they're if they're stumbling that much you know maybe some of these other teams that we need to clear out of the way will end up you know giving up a, a, a head scratcher to an unranked team just like Tennessee does so there's you know there's still a lot of uh, football left to be played but you're right it's it's coming into crunch time and yeah. um, it's very frustrating I, I mean obviously we've been saying for years now we need to have a wider playoff so that the subjectivity of this committee doesn't have so much of a say in terms of Absolutely. the final outcome of college Absolutely. football. I mean, truthfully, Penn State is playing well enough right now. I mean, obviously, we lost to Ohio State and Michigan, two top five teams. Um, we're not one of the top four teams in the country, um, at least as of a few weeks ago, but we're playing quite well. And I could certainly see us going into a 12-team playoff and making it in a couple rounds and having a different kind of game against a top five team than we did even just a few weeks ago. So um, I, I, I like that model. I hope it comes sooner than later. In the meanwhile, um, we're all going to be crossing our fingers that Penn State is well positioned going into this next week. Of course, we're recording on Monday morning. Um, the CFP rankings don't come out until tomorrow night. So um, we're we're reading the tea leaves a little bit on, on that, but um, just on the basis of the AP and the coaches poll, it looks like Penn state, Tennessee are sort of vying for that 10th and spot Oregon, together. And, and it depends and Oregon, on they're all, we're all kind of like in the mix with that ninth and 10th spot kind of situation. Yeah, So it'll be interesting to see how the committee kind of sees Penn state right now. Um, all right. Well, that was an interesting tangent. Thanks for, <laughs> Oh, I can keep going. There's path. deeper levels of that tangent. See, well, we'll, let's move on right now and go back to the 10 second takes. Mm. Um, as we talk about, um, another big, big game, uh, against, uh, you know, some top ranked teams, uh, this one, number seven, USC beats back the Bruins to remain in the hunt for bigger game, winning 45 to 48 versus UCLA in a thriller. Man, did I really want USC to go down. Um, <laughs> so bad. Uh, yeah, uh, but, you know, who knows? UCLA could have climbed. We're just we're in, we're in this for chaos at this point. We want to see the chaos. I don't really want to see USC getting a backdoor bid uh, to the to the CFP. We, I don't want that really because, you know, um, they got a Heisman Trophy contender on their team. They got Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, get, getting things going in his first season, and then they're making the jump to the Big Ten in, in a couple of seasons. And I just, I'm not ready to see USC be a CFP mainstay in Lincoln Riley's first year. So we really wanted USC to lose that game, but they still have opportunities to lose. They got Notre Dame coming up, and then they got the Pac-12 championship game coming up. Uh, staying in the Pac-10, number 12 Oregon upsets number 10 Utah keeping Oregon's Pac-12 title hopes alive with a 20 to 17 victory. Um yeah, again, this is one of those games where it, it doesn't I to me as a Penn State fan, it didn't really matter who won this game. Um you know, I don't know. I 
this this game matters in who ends up making it to the Rose Bowl for the Pac-12 championship, and so maybe that plays a, a role in, in, in either, who, who we're facing if we actually end up getting into the Rose Bowl. But other than that, it was just a good game. It was a good game to watch as, a, as a, just a fan of college football, and uh, I think Oregon really needed that. The big thing about this was um, uh, Bo Nix went down and, and tried to fight through an injury in the end, and um, yeah, uh, I don't... I don't know what else to, to make of that, or was that, or was that the the previous week that that or that Bo Nix got hurt? I actually forget. My my brain's playing tricks on me now. It's all blurring together. Well, in any case, uh, Bo Nix <laughs> may not be <laughs> available going forward, and that could affect Oregon's. Uh, sure. uh, you know. Uh, could affect our chances going forward. But Pac-12 we'll see. Uh, oh, and by the way, with the Tennessee game, I forgot to mention that their starting quarterback, Hendon Hooker, Heisman Trophy, uh, he was kind of front-running. He actually went down with an ACL injury, and I think his season is done. So as far Yikes. as... as far, that actually could play a factor in the CFPs, which is, by the way, absolutely asinine to me, is that they factor in injuries to their rankings. Um, what a disservice that is to the rest of the team, uh, in my opinion. Uh, again, why I hate the fact that these committee members have sway over who gets to be ranked where but anyways okay so um Oregon they won they they probably are creeping on the the door of a of a of a top 10 um you know showdown in in the uh in the big big RCM Pac 12 championship game yeah all right um now on to the ACC in a game that has pretty significant implications for the college football playoff um unranked Georgia Tech Beats number 13, North Carolina, 21 to 17. Yeah, this is, this was a, this is bad for UNC. That was, that's bad. Georgia Tech's bad. Um, they, they, their coach was fired a few weeks ago. Um, so this is like a, a, a big time game for them. Um, uh, kudos to, to that team for, you know, uh, re- <laughs> you know, kind of just ruining UNC's one, one lost season. And, and po- I mean, they had a chance for a backdoor CFP bid if they go on to beat Clemson and win the ACC. You never know with the chaos. You never know how 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 badly the Big Ten's champion is going to be stomping the, the the loser of the game coming up and how that factors into. But all is for naught for UNC. The Tar Heels are stuck in the muck, stuck in that tar muck, <laughs> and um, they they fall to Georgia Tech. Yeah, and and. Not only does it affect North Carolina's, um, you know, outside hopes, but it also affects Clemson, who, you know, they lost to Notre Dame uh, pretty miserably a couple of weeks ago, and you know, this was going to be their last chance for a quality win against a highly ranked one-loss North Carolina team, yeah, who yeah. now is coming in with two losses, going to be dropped. I would expect yep. fairly low, you know, and so even Clemson, when the committee's uh, eyeing them, uh, you know, does a one loss conference championship Clemson team, do they deserve to be in? Maybe not. Maybe they get um, left in the cold. So a uh, big, big result there um, in the ACC. So that right. Georgia Tech win is setting up a big showdown with Georgia next week, by the way. Uh, uh, you know, you never know. <laughs> and Georgia, Georgia Tech do it again? <laughs> that would be incredible. That would be incredible. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, back to the uh, SEC, you know, we've been uh, looking for teams just get knocked off one by one. And it happened again, this time unranked Arkansas blasts number 14, old miss 14, excuse me, 42 to 27 in a game that wasn't even that close. Yeah. There was a lot of talk about, uh, Kiffin, you know, 
maybe he's like looking at who he's going to be coaching next. Maybe he's talking to other teams. Auburn's being mentioned as one of those possible teams. So the the media and, and the Ole Miss fans are kind of like putting this weird veil on this loss of like, this is Kiffin just checking out already, which I don't know if that that's true or not, but uh, it doesn't look good uh, for, for at least Ole Miss optics to, to lose that bad too. I mean, it's a talented Ar- Arkansas team, but being unranked, you know, you got to, they got to perform a little bit better than a uh, more than two touchdown loss, 42 to 27. Um, this has a little bit of implication in Penn State's um, bowl opponent. Uh, a lot of projections had us going to the Citrus Bowl against Ole Miss. So if it's still going to be Ole Miss in there, maybe they're a, sh- a, a little less shiny ranked opponent for Penn State, which would be a bummer. All right, moving on through the top 25. Um, another upset, unranked Navy. Submarines, number 20, Central Florida at home, 17 to 14. <laughs> so Central Florida, eight and, eight and two going into the game. They were the top ranked group of five team that Penn State's like slotted to maybe play in the Cotton Bowl if we get a New Year's six bid. And I don't want to play in the Cotton no, Bowl. No, 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 we don't. Playing Memphis was still leaves a bad taste in our mouth because we want to want a power five opponent. But Quality the up. Navy shipmen anyway. were three and seven going into this game. But Central Florida turned it over twice and lose by a field goal when they were a 15 and a half point um, favorite to win the game at home. So kudos to the the to the you know uh, midshipmen for taking care of business and and getting UCF out of our way, which kind of sets up a big showdown coming up this week of uh, Tulane top twenty five Tulane versus top twenty five Cincinnati. I believe it's a Friday game um, after Thanksgiving that will, as Penn State fans, be wondering which of those two teams would be the likely opponent for a possible Cotton Bowl bid for Penn State. Yuck. <laughs> I'll take Cincinnati. Uh, but, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, by the way, um, Navy almost upset Notre Dame a few weeks ago. Right. Notre Dame jumped out to a 35 to like they 10 lead tough. in they the, in the football, man. first half. And then Notre Dame was shut out in the second half. Navy came storming back um, and, and lost by only like two or three points well, in the end. Real, so, quick, um, real quick, dude. Navy's quarterback in this game against Central Florida attempted one pass and it was incomplete. <laughs> yeah, no, in that Notre Dame game yeah. a couple weeks ago, um, he threw his, I think it was his second completion Dude, of the year. that is unbelievable that in this day and age, you have somebody playing FBS level football and you don't even throw it. You like, just, you just refuse. You're like, no, we are just, I mean, he's had like down. 10 passes, a uh, 10 pass attempts on the year. Anyway, Why, all right, wait, moving hold on. on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Why in this day and age, would you just say, let's be one dimensional. Let's be one dimensional. Let's intentionally be one dimensional. I don't get it. Well, I, you know, the triple option actually is not one dimensional. It's very, I, very tough listen, to defend. I understand, but it is from so, it is from a a, a, a schematic. Like I, you just if you're just not going to pass forward, that's that's one dimensional. I'm I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> it hasn't worked out for him too well this year. You know, all right, <laughs> you know? all right. All but right, uh, right. they did beat uh, number twenty UCF. So all right, yeah. moving on. Um, last one I'm going to talk about in the top twenty five. Unranked Oklahoma. Now, there's the headline for you right there. Unranked Oklahoma in week 11. But anyway, unranked Oklahoma causes bedlam in the Big 12, beating number 22 Oklahoma State 28 to 13. 
Well, I think that that saved Oklahoma's bowl possibilities. I think that makes them five and I think it makes them five and six on the year. I I think um, I don't have that in front of me, but um, essentially, like holy crap, Oklahoma State, you were a top ten team, and like moving forward in your season, and you've kind of. I mean, this is kind of just how Oklahoma State does it at the end of the season, year in and year out. The first eight games are pretty strong, and then then they kind of start to fall off a little bit. Or um, so it sucks. Uh, it sucks for. I mean, it, it's a mega, mega, mega win for Oklahoma, and you you gotta just. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I want to see Oklahoma go without a bowl this year, so I'm still pulling for them to get beat next week. <laughs> All right. Um, one more. This is uh, not in the top 25. This is just for fun before we head to the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, here's your headline. Texas A&M limps past lowly UMass 20-3 to in front of a nearly empty home stadium. Dude, UMass is only had one win on the season this year, and it was to an FCS, like, I think like Stony Brook or something like that. Yeah, that's it. And, and UMass, they, 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 like, dude, Texas A&M's Offense is unbelievably putrid. Did you see the pictures of the yes. stadium at the second half, the start of the second half? The, you know, uh, Texas A&M announces. You know, by the way, this is great. Texas A&M twelfth man stadium down there in College Station, best fan base in. You know, they would have us believe best fan base in the in the country, kind of thing. And I'm not like knocking their fan base at all. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I think this is a valid protest, in my opinion. They came out in the second half. That stadium might have had ten percent of its people in it, and and they and and Texas A&M announced a ninety plus thousand uh, attendance on the day. Oh my god! Yeah, that is not true. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I thought when I saw those um, when I saw those pictures, I thought, is this from like their you know spring game? Like, yeah, was this, it, you know, it, their spring game. Do we know spring game had more live? Their spring game had more people in it for sure. So, <laughs> I mean, amazing. to me, this signals just that. Uh, first of all, UMass as your opponent for an SEC SEC power. Um, if that's what we're going to well, call, you know, Texas Alabama A&M. played Austin P. This is the I, apparently what, I, the. I'm 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 mocking that. This is a tangent now, I guess. Dude, I, this is just who I am. All right, just, we can't change it. I don't know what to tell you. Um, this is your job to reel me in. I'm just, I'm, I'm off the rails at all times. Okay, uh, so let's just. Anyway, way to go, Texas to A&M for, yeah. for getting another win. Um, all right, uh, into Bimbo the Big Ten. <laughs> into the Big Got Ten. There. Um, we had a couple of top five near upsets in the Big Ten. I didn't put them up front. We're going to talk about them now. Um, starting with number three, Michigan, who narrowly avoided the upset, coming back against Illinois to win 17 to 19. I mean, for as much as like in my brain, I'm like, oh, we want two Big Ten teams in the playoff. Like, I still want to see Michigan and Ohio State lose. I still want to witness Illinois. And by the way, I actually believed I got a buddy who's an Illinois fan and I believed Illinois was actually going to win this game going into it. I was like, hey, I really I believe that Illinois would pose problems for Michigan. And they did the whole game. Um, and Corum, Blake Corum went down with a with an injury where he hyperextended his knee. Uh, we don't really wish injuries on our our, our rivals. Um, 
But, uh, you know, if Michigan's hopes against Ohio State took a hit, it's because of Blake Corm's injury, and we don't know what his status is moving forward. But um, Michigan still got it done, even when Blake Corm came out of the game in the first half. He tried to go for one play to start the second half, and it didn't it didn't work for him. Um, so they still got it done. I mean, great teams win close games. That's the way. I mean, if you watched the game last night against Kansas, Kansas City and L.A. Chargers, Great, great teams win close games. That's just the way it works. Michigan was down by a touchdown going into the fourth quarter. They shut out Illinois, caused them to punt the ball a lot. Michigan ended up getting three field goals in the fourth quarter, um, and that was enough to win it. It was not a convincing win, but right. um, yeah, they points got it matter. Done. Taking field goals matters. By the way, everybody going for it on fourth down, trying to get the touchdown. Field goals ended up absolutely mattering. Those three field goals were critical for them to win the game. Another one, very close. Um, number two, Ohio State hangs on versus Maryland, turning back an upset bid with a sack six in the final seconds, winning 43-30 to 30 in a game much closer than the final score. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State, close games. Great teams win close games. Ohio State's banged up. They got players beat up, um, you know, and they're still able to, to take Tim team's best swings and come out victorious. And, you know, they got talent all over that field, even in, in the depth chart. So it's showing. And, and Maryland, even though they gave it their best, um, they still just, you know, just don't have this. They don't have the studs to do it against be- better teams. Yeah, and um, I think it was the same guy who wrecked our day. Was it um, that that TJ? Um, yeah, Hooker was it? Or? No, 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 no. Uh, Henderson. TJ Hooker. You know that's a that's a <laughs> yeah. show. No, that's a show. That's a William Shatner, right? That's William Shatner. <laughs> wow, um, TJ any- Hooker. <laughs> Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I mean he he got the he got the uh, strip six and. Um, yeah, got that final touchdown. But but Maryland had the ball with a minute left and uh, needed a touchdown to actually win. They were only down six at that time, and um, they just they just Talia you know, face planted. They caved. couldn't do it. Talia caved. Well, and the pressure was too much, and yeah. they tried to run back the kickoff. You know, and ended up getting tackled on like the thirteen yard line. It's like uh, it just that whole drive went nowhere from the start. So bummer um, would have loved to see that. What would, it, what well, would have happened in the, both in the big 10 and in the college football landscape, if both Michigan and Ohio State go down oh, on the same day before amazing. the game, you know, would have before been the so game. Cool. But here we are, an undefeated <laughs> matchup in the, in the, yeah, this um, is what everyone's been wanting and hoping for. over. Yeah. yeah. And we'll see what happens. Never. All right. Um, just uh, through the, the dregs of the Big Ten now, um, Wisconsin squeaks past Nebraska 14 to 15. <sighs> I actually was pulling for Nebraska. Uh, and Nebraska yeah, me too. basically actually had – Wisconsin looked terrible to start this game. But, you know, uh, these are two bad teams. There's not much to, to speak of here. Um, I don't I don't have much to say on the matter. Um, next, uh, Purdue takes care of business versus Northwestern, beating the Wildcats 17-9. to Well, given that – and I guess we'll mention this here in a minute, in less than a minute, Mm -hmm. hopefully in 20 seconds if I'm fast enough, um, (laughs) Minnesota (laughs) lost. So Purdue is the best opponent on our our non-division slate. And Purdue now, I think, uh, still keeps its uh, 
uh, you know, D- Division West, Big Ten West uh, Division Championship hopes alive um, with beating, uh, you know, beating Northwestern here. And, you know, for Penn State's resume, if it matters at all, if Purdue's are, you know, uh, the, the best uh, team in the West and they were on our schedule and we and we beat them on, on their home turf, that's great. Good for us. Yay. Extra little star next to Penn State's name. Yeah, Purdue doesn't control their destiny, right, however. Right. They're um, that, still alive, though. Yeah, indeed. That um, that privilege belongs to Iowa, who secured the inside track to the Big Ten title game by withstanding a 239-yard rushing effort by Mo Ibrahim. Wild. On the strength of two timely turnovers and a last-second field goal to beat Minnesota 13-10. to Man, I didn't know that was a last-second field goal. Wow, um, I mean, what you got to hand it to Iowa to like I get, their offense has been enough on, uh, in the weeks of late to propel them to some victories to kind of take the the heat off of. Uh, we haven't heard the heat uh, from the uh, Ferentz boys, you know, like that. They kind of, uh, I don't know, it's just diminished their all this bad press because they've been winning a few games. So good for for them to, you know, take that offensive juggernaut into the offseason with their jobs in, in place and, and secure. <laughs> way to go, Iowa. <laughs> By the way, I think that's the fourth time, uh, excuse me, the first time in like a century that like four teams in the same conference, uh, or four games in the same conference and neglected to get a team that broke 20 points or something like wow. that. Wow. Wow. It wasn't actually yeah. a century, but it's been a long time. Uh, there were four games in the uh, Big Ten this weekend that neither team broke 20 points. Yikes. <laughs> So, yeah, Big Ten's awesome. Um, (laughs) Last headline for you. Um, This is relevant to us. Sure Uh, is. Indiana notches their second Big Ten victory of the season in a two-overtime game of attrition, knocking off Michigan State 39-31. to I mean, we've got Michigan State. uh, They they had crafted, you know, two wins back to back in the last two weeks prior to this game, beating number 16 Illinois on the road, nonetheless, and Rutgers. Um, and, you know, this is a game that they should have won. And they had it. They were, they were a big early. I think they were up 17 30. point lead, I think. Yeah. And they just, uh, wow. What, what's going on with Michigan State that you let Indiana, you let Indiana come back on you and beat you in double overtime? I mean, it's just a very interesting dynamic for this team as it's going into its last week. You know, uh, we'll talk about we'll talk about Michigan State coming up. Um, but like, man, Michigan State is fighting for its bowl hopes to be a non-losing you know football team with their game against us upcoming. But we're going to talk about Rutgers, the opponent that they they played last week. We're going to talk about our game coming up here real soon. Uh, Andy, what did you think of this Indiana game? Um, you know, I mean. This was on the Big Ten Network right prior to our game, so mm-hmm. I actually got to see the end of that game. Mm-hmm. It was pathetic. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, you know, it, it just everything about it. Um, by the way, the 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 box score in this game is is nuts. All right, um, Indiana passing on the day, thirty one yards. Jeez. And yet they let uh, Sean Shivers and Dexter Williams II put up 257 yards rushing. Jeez. Now, 
likewise, um, Michigan State basically controlled all the major categories of the day. They they had 36 minutes time of possession to 23 minutes time of possession. Uh, they put up 540 yards of total offense to under 300 for Indiana. Um <laughs> You know, and yet, uh, mistakes and failures to get into the end zone um, came back to bite them. And by the end of the game, they couldn't score a single point in okay. overtime in that did second you, overtime. Did you mention that it was a blustery, snowy day, 24 degrees in, in East Lansing for that game? So as far as the passing game not working, we've had some weeks of, of recent memory of Big Ten you know, games being in ridiculous, you know, snowy conditions, cold conditions, windy yeah, conditions. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Michigan State put up 298 yards passing. That's what Michigan State does, though. Like, they, I, I, listen, I'm just, I'm just, just saying. One for one, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I get it. I get what you're saying. It, it, it I'm just saying wacky. that, that it, it was wacky. <laughs> played a factor. It played a factor for sure. Yeah, we'll see if it plays a factor for us this coming weekend, you know, last weekend of November. Um, I think it's supposed to be clear, but it's going to be cold. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. But anyway, um, yeah, Michigan State really, really, I mean, what a face plant. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, right. we'll, we'll get to what, what Michigan State's doing coming up against our game. But let's let's dive into the Rutgers game. Let's do it. Um, you know, you mentioned that uh, you were not kind of paying attention to the game as it unfolded uh, right. very carefully. Right. I, on the other hand, was, you know, ready to go. I was watching the end of that Michigan State-Indiana game and uh, looking forward to total domination. And when this game unfolded, that was not the case. And, um, yeah, I was kind of frosty. I believe Penn State had um, five empty drives. To start the day, uh, Penn State's offense, I should say, um, and with about a minute left in the first quarter, we were down ten to seven. Yeah, and um, I mean, I was watching enough at this point in time that I was privy to this information while it was happening. And it's I, like I just what wasn't is texting happening? you. <laughs> it's yeah. what is happening. And by the way, we just saw you know Ohio State you know squeak by Maryland. We just right. saw Michigan right. squeak by Illinois. We and just you're saw like, are we in for this close rugged Indiana? Over, yeah, you know, upset um, uh, Michigan State. So yeah. yeah, it's like you know, is that bug gonna bite us? Well, you know, after Rutgers scored their ten, uh, Penn State scored twenty eight unanswered. Um, excuse me, 48 unanswered, 48 right, unanswered right. points after we went down uh, seven to 10. So, you know, from the end, you know, last minute of the first quarter through the end of the game, it was just total domination. It was what we expected to see. You know, it's your classic Clifford Franklin first quarter snooze fest and then finally wake up. Um, here's how I wanted to talk about this day, though. Um I wanted to talk about this day based on which unit of the team got the points on the day. So I want to start with the unit that I think you can attribute the most number of points to on the day, and that is the defense. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, the defense scored 14 points outright with uh, a Kobe King scoop and score in the second quarter and a Jair Brown 70-yard scoop and score in the third quarter. But Johnny Dixon also had a pick six that was called back on a ticky-tack uh, block in the back and then 
we went ahead and punched it in uh, for a touchdown just a few plays later. Yeah, that should have been an, that, that should have been an INT for a touchdown for sure. That, I'm that, giving that that touchdown. I'm taking it off of Clifford, and I'm giving it to the defense. Defense scored us 21 points on the day, bro. Um, let's talk about that defense. I mean, when we needed a, a um, <laughs> when we needed it, when we needed a spark in this game. Our defense provided it with that. I believe it was um, the the Curtis Jacobs strip sack of of um, you know. I think it was at the time it was ten to seven, right? Uh, I yep. think. And Curtis Jacob, the, you know, 20, 20 yard line. They were going to be punching it in. It felt like that 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 and and he stripped it, and then boom, you know, Jair Brown's right there to pick it up, and he runs it eighty yards back for a touchdown, and that changed everything. It was um, it was just a, a great play, and, and the defense kind of was sleeping through the first drive or two of Rutgers as well. By the yeah, way, yeah, um, yeah. let them get uh, get that touchdown um, early on, um, but then they just man they clamped down, and that really was the turning point. Um, by the way, I believe at that time um, Penn State had two touchdowns not scored by the offense and the offense had two first downs or something like that. It was like, you know, really, well, they were (laughs) really weird. Our special teams and our defense was carrying the day until the offense could really get it going essentially is how they saw this game played out. That's how it felt too. And by the way, um, the defense, it wasn't just on the, on those scoring plays, which are of course um, just phenomenal, but you know, they were just suffocating all day. Um, I think we had 15 tackles for loss on the day and um, which is one less than last week, which was 16 tackles for loss. I mean, we've just been absolutely ferocious. Their quarterback was running for his life all day when he wasn't getting sacked. He was, you know, scrambling outside of the pocket, throwing the ball out of bounds. They, they really had nothing going on the ground at all. Um, You know, as you would expect against a team like Rutgers, uh, we just made life miserable for them all day. The defense just looked like they're playing at another level. Well, and you know, I'm, it's like beating a dead horse right now. But like Clifford, just you'd think he could have like, you know, mustered a strong performance against a, a a kind of a subpar defense and a subpar team in the Big Ten and Big Ten East. And you know, his performance did not scream. You know, six years starter did not scream captain of the team. Did not scream. You know, in control and command. Um, he looked shaky in the pocket. He looked shaky on some throws. Um, and it just kind of was. You know, the 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 Clifford we've been kind of grown to to expect this season. Uh, I didn't turn the ball over, uh, or, or did did he throw the interception, or did we do we have no turnovers? I, don't, I forget. No turnovers. Hmm. I don't think he had any turnovers. He did not. He did not. He didn't throw an interception in the game, and uh, unless he had a fumble that I that I can't remember. I don't. Yeah, think- the only turnover on the day was uh, a Nick Singleton fumble. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I'm saying Sean Clifford didn't didn't uh, turn yep. the ball over. Is One what touchdown, I mean. no interception. Yeah, yeah. So that's you know that's. <sighs> At least he's not losing the game for us here, but you know he's certainly not putting a putting forth a commanding um, effort to make us feel good about you know if we let's let's put it this way it's not the kind of uh you know 
performance this season that we would feel good about going into a top 10 matchup in the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, or even the, the you know, the Citrus Bowl against a, a pretty decent SEC opponent, possibly. So, you know, we'd like in this upcoming game to see that from from Sean, you know, before we get into to practices uh, for the bowl game. But, but really, you know, um, what carried us was everything but uh, Clifford was, you know, our special teams, our defense, our running backs. Um, and even the, by the way, the offensive line looked overwhelmed at times, to, uh, in this game. Yeah. I, I was going to say that some of the challenge here, I think it was the offensive line. Um, uh, you know, I think Rutgers is deemed to have a better than average defense. Yeah. I guess um, they were top 25 in, in some, uh, in some measures. So, um, you know, it was really nice that we didn't allow that to, um, you know, to, to overcome, you know, the, the strengths of our team and our defense, like I said, you give them 21 points on the day as the, the unit that led directly and indirectly to uh, just a, uh, you know, the, they're the unit that you can attribute the most number of points to on the day. Um, you mentioned Sean Clifford, you know, he did have two touchdowns on the stat sheet, one rushing, one passing, but, yeah. um, you know, like I said, that, that, uh, I think it was the rushing touchdown that came on the heels of that um, pick six that that wasn't a pick six um, because of that penalty. So, right. um, you know, he had a really nice pass to Tyler Warren on a on an interesting little gimmick play. Um, but you're right. I mean, he in a day against an inferior opponent when your defense is playing lights out and you want to see complimentary football, um, Clifford just had an average day. Um, you know, he only had 150 some yards passing. You know, he was 62% on his completion percentage, but it just he he didn't look in command. Well, and here's and I'll and I as much as I just like kind of talked him down, you know, like like you said, he, we were play, our offense was playing with a, a bit of a hand tied behind our back with some you know significant injuries in the offensive line. Parker Washington did not play in this game, and um, we might not see him playing in, in uh, the rest of this season potentially, d- depending on what's going on with his his injury that Franklin has not um, divulged yet. Um, but there's also speculation that you know if he's done for the season like hey he might be uh you know he might leave for the nfl given his draft status um he's obviously eligible um so uh, tbd on on if we see uh parker again but he was not available in this game and so that's you know one of um clifford's favorite targets he was our leading receiver mitchell tinsley did step in with a couple of really big grabs uh, in uh, on the day, uh, he is, is a very serviceable wide receiver. Uh, he hasn't been lights out this season, um, as far as like you know taking over any sort of number one duties or even looking like uh, you know a, an epic number two. But he showed up on the stat sheet on on the day. He had a long of twenty one yards, uh, five catches for sixty three, uh, no touchdowns. But he helped move the chains quite a bit um, to keep uh, the, you know the the offense on the field and uh, to let these running backs do what they do um when we what we got to have first downs when we want to keep feeding these running backs and that's what that's what he helped do and even Harrison Wallace stepped up in place of Parker Washington being out and he was uh the, the second leading receiver on the day with 49 yards uh, on three grabs along of 25 uh it's still kind of perplexing to me Andy that when you do have um a guy like Parker Washington out, you know, why aren't the tight ends kind of just forced into the I was just focal, thinking that, yeah. Focal, like, if we have the best tight end room in the country, which, I, you know, I... <laughs> 
It's tough to really believe that if they aren't like if the coaches aren't actively making them part of the game plan week in and week out. Like, why do you say that if if you're not going to like lean on that? Uh, and I get it; they're good blockers. I'm not taking anything away from the blocking aspect of it, but to say that they're the best in the country when you're not utilizing them in the in the past game equally, it's like yeah, Brenton Strange had four catches, but only for 24 yards, and then you know I, I don't think. You know, Tyler Warren had one catch, and yes, it was for a touchdown. That was a big, a big deal at the time. But I don't even think uh, Theo Johnson had any targets on the day. He didn't have any catches. I know that. I think so. he had a drop. I remember him ha- having okay. a drop. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> I mean, you bring up a good point about the tight ends, and there are some bright spots with some younger receivers getting some, um, you know, getting some action and. Um, But I just think overall, the passing game has just not looked sharp. It hasn't looked like the kind of thing that can take a game over. I mean, honestly, Clifford's best day this season was against Ohio State. Yeah. And that was the same day that he also lost us the game with a mistake. So, and it was the day that Parker Washington, like, just was a man among boys out there. Parker Washington made that game look good for Clifford. It wasn't like Clifford was throwing him open, Parker was forced to make a lot of big plays. But it also just makes me wonder if that's game planning. If they just said, look, we're going to be conservative on Clifford. We're we're going to limit the types of throws we give him. We're not going to let him lose the game for us. And we're going to, you know, win games on the strength of our defense and our run game. And well, quite frankly, that's a strategy that seems to be working out. Because I, I want to talk about another unit that um, that deserves uh, some credit for 14 points on the day. All right, and that's our running back room. Sure. Now, Nick Singleton uh, didn't get a touchdown on uh, on a rushing carry, but he got, of course, that 100-yard kickoff return to start off Penn State scoring and just look phenomenal doing it. It's our first um, uh, kickoff return for a first touchdown of any since kind 2020. First return touchdown in punt or kick. Since, since first this year and, and yeah. uh, first kickoff return since 2020. And then... Um, you know, Catron Allen, uh, he had an eight-yard scamper for a rush and just looked like a, a bulldozer. But he also had like a, a you know fifty-yard run right before that. I think uh, fifty-nine. What was, the, what was the rate of that? Exactly, fifty-nine-yard run um, before that when Penn State um, started that drive. Drew Aller had just come in. They handed off to Catron Allen. He rushes for uh, you know this really long run, just pushes him out of bounds at the eight. And then um, hand on the ball, the next play runs in eight yards for a touchdown. So Catron Allen, Nick Singleton had some huge breakout carries, got us uh, two touchdowns on the day for 14 points. They scored more points than Sean Clifford on the day. If we, if we uh, take away that, uh, you know, drive off the pick six. You know, it, it occurs to me now, here we are in week, you know, game, our 11th game of the season. Um, we got these two true freshmen um, who are both very talented and in their own unique ways, their own skill sets are, are unique to them. Um, and especially with, <clears throat> excuse me, especially with like in our passing game, you know, our receivers, while they've looked good at times, we, we don't really like, we don't really have 
like the the breakout receivers. Uh, like you know, Ohio State has three breakout receivers basically ready to go at any given time. Parker Washington, couple good games. Mitchell Tinsley, couple good games. Um, beyond that, we are searching for like that third or fourth receiver to to step forward. That's not a tight end. But here's where we I think we've neglected is if these two freshman running backs are as talented as we believe. If by the eleventh game, how come they're not factoring in? to the pass game with a struggling Sean Clifford who does not throw the ball well down the field at all. In fact, um, by some metrics, he is one of, if not the worst downfield passer in all of college football. At one time, he had the worst (laughs) downfield passing uh, percentage of anyone in the whole of college football. That's depressing. So, so, so instead of keep, you know, trying to force these downfield throws that are being, you know, sorely overthrown or intercepted or just off off the mark short or, or whatever. Um, why not? Why haven't we built in some like, you know, running back passing plays that are higher percentage and that if Singleton and Catron have the, the speed and the maneuverability and the agility and the strength and the, you know, just power. To, to make some plays in the running game, how come that hasn't translated into the passing game? I don't get that. I, I, I don't really understand yeah, that yet. point. That hasn't, there been, were a couple hasn't of games, progressed yet in this offense. A couple of games ago, um, I think Katron had a, a, a swing pass yeah, out of the yeah. backfield yeah, that went one. for like that's 30 one. yards or so. So why haven't we seen it again? But you're right. It hasn't been a point of emphasis. So um, yeah. Hey, uh, Mike Yersich, maybe think about um, getting the ball in the air to uh, these two talented running backs. Maybe I mean, to give, to give helpful. Clifford some higher percent percentage plays too. I mean, he, he Clifford needs rhythm, dude. In order for Clifford to play his best, he has to get into a rhythm. And these passes downfield that are not working out stall drives. They make Clifford a worse quarterback moving forward in the games. And he, dude, just Clifford just needs higher percentage plays to get his rhythm going and get this offense moving forward. Because uh, to be honest with you, uh, you know, against a team like Rutgers, the fact that these uh, freshmen that are our best playmakers at this point in time are all, have, have seen in this game, they saw 20, I'm seeing here, you know, nine, uh, 20 carries between the two of them. And, you know, we're talking over 170 yards between the two of them, too. You know, Catron Allen averaged 10.6 yards per, per rush. Um, Nicholas Singleton averaged 6.9 yards per rush. And, Nick Singleton, and that's not counting the 100-yard return. Right. Exa- per rush, I was saying. Um, and, in yeah, the, yeah. and in the passing game between the two of them, Catron had two catches and Nicholas Singleton had one. So they're not mm-hmm. attempting. Yeah. They're, not, they're not really getting them involved in other ways. Uh, and I think that can actually even make us better, you know, as a team if these guys are getting the ball more i'm sure some of that has to do with protection you know sure keep those guys in there fair. to That's uh, fair point. help clifford in protection you know and um his pocket awareness just still isn't great um clifford it's picked true. up a couple of sacks on the day um and um you know it, again uh, you hate to beat a dead horse this much i mean clifford's um he's on his way to um directing a 10-win season, depending on what happens this coming week. But yeah, he just hasn't been a game-breaking quarterback. He's been a game manager these last few weeks. Unfortunately, the talent uh, on other parts of the team uh, have um, you know, have been enough to to really you know secure the win. And of course, on on this particular day, more than enough to secure the win. Um, so um, a real quick last here. thing I want to talk about. Sorry, I, you, please. Go. Yeah. Were you going to go oh, special teams? Uh, were you going to go Drew, <laughs> Aller? What were you going to go here? 
Yeah, I want I wanted to talk about Drew Aller because um, you know, we complained last week a little bit that he he really didn't get meaningful snaps last week. Um Franklin said in the post game he wanted to give Aller some time with the first team offense, which he did. And with that first team offense, he got a touchdown, uh, ended up being his first rushing touchdown on the day. Now Aller didn't have a great day. He started his first off rushing one touchdown five. of the season, I think is what you meant to say. What did I say? Of the day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I meant of his career. Yes, yeah, first rushing touchdown of his career. Um, you know, he started off one of five passing, didn't look great, had some errant passes, but he started getting into a rhythm. He finished four of five to end up going um, five and 10 on the day, 50% passing um, and with some good looking throws in there. Um, he had one or two series with the first team offense and looked okay. Yeah, it wasn't um, anything to talk about, really. Yeah. Um, but but again, I mean, Sean Clifford got you one touchdown over you know a half plus, and Drew Aller got you one touchdown right over yeah, yeah. the course I mean, of. It's kind less of apples to oranges, just because the, the game was out of hand a little bit. I I don't know. I I, I kind of throw the the anything that Aller did in this game out the out the door. I we're really not going to see what this kid's capable of until he's given the keys. In, in my opinion, um, he hasn't he hasn't shown us anything that that should raise major alarms. Let's put it that way. He has flashed enough that I am excited still about what he brings to the no table. No turnovers in all of his yeah. action. Hey, hey, uh, so. moving forward from Drew, uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about him uh, for, for Michigan State um, and and the offseason, uh, or excuse me, the um, bowl uh, lead up, the bowl practices and, and the bowl game. Um, but I really want to just, before we move forward here, um, you know, mention some stuff about the defense. You know, we talked about them as a whole, what they did for the team. Uh, you know, after 10, you know, giving up 10 points early, they blocked it down and they kept it locked down. And, but really, you know, Kobe King stepped up big time in this game, uh, linebacker. Uh, he had six total tackles, um, two solo, but he had that scoop and score, which was amazing. Uh, and, and that's, that bodes well for the future because we, you know, we got some, we need to shore up linebacker you going into next season and to see his progression this season. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, Curtis Jacobs was, uh, thankfully back on the field after, uh, being out last week. He had five total tackles with one sack and two tackles for loss, uh, and a pass defender to go along with that. And then, of course, the possible freshman All-American, uh, Abdul Carter, who's looking every bit the number 11 that he's wearing. Um, he looks like just a stud out there still. He's making unbelievable torpedo-like plays the way Micah Parsons did, the way LeVar Arrington did. Um, I'm not just necessarily ready to put him directly into those exact, uh, that, that tier of linebacker, but as far as a, a freshman playing, he is flashing. He looks like the real deal. Um, he, he had a sack and two tackles for a loss um, and a quarterback hurry. But you can just see the athleticism, Andy, on this kid. It's it's exciting to see. And I mean, it jumps off the screen absolutely. on you for sure. And I, I mean, again, who knows what's going to happen in his development. But to my eye, he looks more refined as a linebacker in his freshman season than Micah Parsons did in his. Now, right. I know Micah was changing positions, That's but true. I think Abdul Carter looks like I mean, he does not look like a freshman. He looks like a star. Absolutely. And he looks like a stud. And um, he's just been playing better and better every week. Um, one of the things that Franklin said in his postgame uh, about Abdul Carter, he said, you know, he always looked athletic, but um, 
as the weeks have gone along, he is missing fewer and fewer of his assignments. Yeah. So he's playing um he's playing smarter uh defense in addition to the splash plays. And I wonder if that's part of why he's making more plays as the season goes along, because he's where he needs to be to to be to make those plays and he's um able to pay, play faster sure. um knowing what his assignments are. Um so you know, he just has looked great, and uh, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, d- I mean, we could really probably talk about the defense for an hour. They've sure. looked that good. Well, to, to 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 you know round out the conversation of of uh, Abdul Carter playing the linebacker position, our leading tacklers in this game, Andy. Um, you know, sometimes you know you have like a safety lead is a leading tackler. Sometimes you have like a, a defensive lineman. PJ Mustafer has been that this year. Jair Brown's been that this year. Our top four. Tacklers in this game were linebackers. Our top four tacklers were linebackers. And Andy, again, you know, and, and J- Jair Brown was tied for for fourth with Jonathan Southern with four total tackles. But you know, Jair Brown plays up on the line a lot now, and he's making splash plays in the backfield and along the line of scrimmage as a. a this dude's not like a oversized safety or anything like that, but he is a physical. And like athletic player, and it really opens up a lot of possibilities with the way Manny Diaz calls this exotic defense. It's just really awesome to see that we have a safety who can play at the line. And and again, you know, we had four sacks and fifteen tackles for a loss, dude. And this is this is no longer uh, just like it, it was like a splash game where we had th- uh, two or three games ago, but now it's happened three games in a row where we've had like four or five or six sacks in a game. Or like twelve to sixteen tackles for a loss in a game, it's kind of becoming what this defense is under Manny Diaz right now. Um, so that's exciting, man. In Manny Diaz's first year, I'm uh, more than happy with what he has put forth as a product for for the, uh, you know what we always love to have on Penn State Nittany Lion teams is good defense. It was a three quarter shutout. Um, it was fun to watch these guys get going. Um, and um, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they uh, what they bring next week for the last home game against Michigan State. Um, last uh, I, unit for scoring, um, we had six points on special teams, uh, a field goal by Jake Pinniger, and I, I believe the first points scored by Sander Sahadek, who I think is in line to be our place kicker next yeah. year. So got him some work was, in, in game was action. A so five star kicker coming out of high school, the number one kicker in the country in high school. Um so and by I you couldn't see I was putting my my fingers up doing the quotations five star kicker. It, he that's that's of the kicking um uh you know uh, there's a different yeah, star they're not really ranking. in the rankings. <laughs> there's a different star like ranking. The normal kickers. star rankings. But. Uh but but a little bit of a uh you know kind of a negative in the game is Barney Amore now I think in two weeks in a row has kind of is in a little bit of a slump. And this is by the way his last year Barney Moore's not coming back but uh I believe his backup is Baquetta or Bachetta I don't even know how to pronounce yeah, it Yeah and he didn't look great either but he he actually looked good last week um so it's something to keep an eye on moving forward in this Michigan State yeah, game Yeah yeah you don't is, want your is coming in a game for you Right is, is <laughs> we'll figure out how to pronounce it moving forward but is Amor's days are are Amor's days numbered? Uh, as in, is you know, is he is this his last game, and is he going to punt for the whole the whole game? We'll we'll find out. Well, he came in and and punted the rest of the day. He he followed up a couple of really uh really bad punts with a sixty five yard beauty, and I believe he punted the rest of the day after Alex Bachetta came in for for two punts. But Bachetta actually dropped 
the ball. Oh, yeah. And would have been a huge turnover if it weren't for uh offsides penalty, which right. may have been, if I'm not mistaken, like a phantom offsides, like they I weren't no actually idea. offsides. I don't know. Um, so uh we dodged the bullet there. But hey, um, look, this is the first time all season we put 55 on the board. We put over 50 points on the board. Um, 55 to 10. It was a 45 point margin of victory. We scored two touchdowns in the first quarter, two touchdowns in the second quarter, two touchdowns in the third quarter, along with two field goals, and a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Every unit scored. of the day, every unit of our team got us points. It was a really, really cool um, team win, even though, of course, you know, we talked about some things that, that were maybe not so hot. Uh, uh, you know, overall, We're, we just keep looking at this team through a, through a lens win. of like what we got to do to be to get over the hump. I think is what we do here as fans, and what's what we are. We're fans, so we we just we constantly are just looking through that lens of like what is what Penn State like how how what can they do to be better? And so we have to also continue to count um, the positives and the blessings of this team <laughs> as they uh, continue to put forth strong efforts. I mean, I mean, we're we're averaging almost thirty, I think, six points a game this season now and that's back to being on par with uh, almost what Joe Moorhead was doing for us so yeah and it feels like because the uh, quarterback position is still not really breaking out it feels like that could go even further sure so that's really sure. exciting yeah. a lot of things to be excited about of course getting the win was also great uh, nine and two with a chance for a 10 win season and um, hey. in a few moments we'll talk about that game coming up but first Let's turn to the mailbag. Mailbag time. All right, we got a couple of entries today. Um, first one's coming from Scott Hagerman. Um, he's written in before, and uh, he's got a, an interesting one for us. Um, here's what he says. Um, wow, Manny Diaz is getting this defense cranked up. For the past three games, the defense has been on a historic run. Makes up for the sometimes maddening offensive showings. Um, assuming the offense continues improvement, next year could be very special with Singleton, Allen, and Aller poised to break through. So here's my question for the week. As we're heading into the last week of the season, I'd like to know who you would pick and why for MVP, freshman of the year, and most overlooked. Well, I'm looking at his uh, MVPs right now, so I'm just going to list out what he said and then give mine, and then Andy can give yours. So he he's he's going with no no what? no no no. You got to give yours, and we'll give Scott's at the end. We don't want to prejudice your choices and the listeners. I'm not prejudicing let's, my choices at all. But he, so, just do fine, it. Let's hear it. Fine. My offensive MVP is <laughs> Olu Fashanu or Fashanu and the offensive line, the uh, as a whole that unit overperformed uh, I, mean, I don't think it can be understated and yet even though they pay, played as well as they have it has been understated in my opinion I think if our offensive line is worse we don't these uh, these true freshman running backs aren't doing what they're doing I think Clifford looks a ton worse than what he does uh as it stands so to me offensive MVP Olu and the entire offensive line. And you could throw Juice Scruggs' name in there, too, because he's the only one who hasn't missed a game or had to switch positions or something like that. Um, so my defensive MVP, um, I think I got to give it to, uh, you know, our our 
our, our starting, you know, safety, possible All-American safety, Jair Brown. He has uh, that 80-yard scoop and score. He's got, I think he leads the uh, Penn State in interceptions with either three or four. I think it's three. I forget. Um but my uh, my freshman of the year award, I think I'm going to have to give it to um, Katron Allen and Abdul Carter because because Singleton, I, I, you could still give it to him, but he was kind of more heralded. I think Katron Allen having to break out underneath the star of Nicholas Singleton and yet kind of, I think at times, if not for the majority of the season, has been our more most and more reliable um, running back in the backfield. But Abdul Carter, I think without him playing the way he has uh, this season, I don't think our defense um, as a whole plays as well without Abdul Carter breaking out. So, um, yeah, that's that's my those are my offensive players and defensive players and freshmen of the year. Oh, and my yeah, most um, I'm sorry, my most overlooked. I am I'm sorry. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Most overlooked. Uh, my uh, you know, um, I guess you kind of got to go. I, I Tyler Elsden. I'm going to go with most of look Tyler Elsden because he's had to play a Interesting. lot, a lot at the linebacker position. And even though, even when he does play strong, I don't see a ton of plays where he's like totally biffing it. Um, and and I think that you know we haven't um, really thought that the linebacking position or linebacking unit has underperformed. So I, I I'm giving it to him. I'm giving it to him. Yeah, for me, offensive MVP. Um, I, I got to go with you as well. The offensive line as a unit, um, they've what there would have been the difference makers this year compared to previous years. It's not been perfect every game, but the improvement is vast and they've kept Clifford a lot cleaner this year. And they've also uh, opened holes for these talented running backs. Um, uh, offensive lines gotta be um, on the defense. Um, I'm going Abdul Carter. I mean, uh, and, and he's, he would also be my freshman player of the year as well. On the defense, I mean, there's so many. The defense has been so good, it's hard to pick just one. But uh, Abdul Cardi has risen to the top consistently time and again. He's just right there in the middle of it all the time. And, um, you know, because of how they've played, putting the um, secondary kind of on an island, it's really meant that the linebacking core has had to be exceptional at stopping the run, which they have. And, um, so I credit, um, I credit Abdul Carter, um, for my defensive MVP, MVP and my defensive freshman player of the year, um, on offense. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's gotta go to the two freshmen, you know, um, I, I would give Katron Allen a slight edge over Nick Singleton, but you know, Nick's had his moments too. Uh, the two of them together have just been a revelation, um, the offensive line, we're just talking about them. Um, you know, they haven't given them a lot more to work with than in previous years. And, um, what little they've had at times, um, both these guys have really made a lot of particularly Katron Allen with a lot of tough yards. Um, you know, getting those three, four, five, six, eight yard rushes to move the chains. It's been a great, great year watching these guys come into their own. Most overlooked, um, I'm going Jake Penninger. Uh, that's not, I, I was hoping you were going to say him because he deserves it. He he has been. I mean, solid. He's been solid this he year. He has been reliable after a really rough year last year, and I think he started the year missing one or two field goals, and we're like, oh, not hit again. Like and his last 
10 in a row or something now. I forget what it is. He's been very reliable. He's, um, you know, matched his uh, career long. Um, I think it was last week. 250 and yarders, yeah. He's, he's also been very reliable on kickoffs for us. Um, you know, um, when we tried out a couple of... Um, couple of young guys who weren't consistent in their distance or their placement on kickoffs. Um, Jake Pennegrick's come in and, and he's been very consistent for us. Um, you, you know, not quite Jordan stout level of, of booming, but he's really done the job. Um, I go Jake Penninger, uh, most like overlooked it. this year. I like it. Uh, he, here's what Scott Hagerman said. Um, he goes offensive MB, MVP, Sean Clifford on the strength of, uh, just his overall leadership. Um, he's with you on the defense with Jair Brown, uh, with co-offensive freshman of the year, um, Singleton and Allen. Um, he couldn't choose one. I, I appreciate that defense and freshman player of the year, Abdul Carter. So he's, he's with me on that. And then most overlooked Juice Scruggs. And I assume that's because of our great little, uh, dig digging into Juice Scruggs last yeah, week. Uh, so, be. so Scott, you're welcome for bringing juice to, to your attention. <laughs> Anyway, uh, some really good standout uh, performances this year and hopefully one more week to enjoy them. And before we do um, lock, talk about that uh, next week's game, uh, we have one more mailbag this week. It wouldn't week. be a mailbag um, without our good buddy, uh, what's his name this uh, week? <laughs> Elho Nurbit. <laughs> Man, how many seasons can he, how many games and how many seasons can he keep up, you know, slightly changing his name? Like, how, when do you run out? Joel, when are you going to run out? Uh, it's awesome. Um, anywho, um, he he was glad to see the the beat down of Rutgers for the last three quarters on Saturday. Um, he says, hey, we've got a wounded, lowly Sparty coming into Happy Valley before going into bowl selection mayhem, which brings me to my question. Would you rather face a stout Michigan State team and win a close, hard-fought game to give the team some prep for a difficult bowl opponent or face a miserable Michigan State team, which is what they are this season, and beat them in a blowout, giving the team a lot of confidence going into the Bulls. Well, I, you know... What do you think, bro? Uh, that's actually a good question. Some 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 weeks I'm not a fan of his his would-you-rathers. Other weeks, like this one, I actually am a fan. Um, it, it's interesting for a couple of reasons. To me, I'm, you know, looking at our season this year... Um, it, it would be nice if this was a ranked Michigan State team, you know, to, like, give us a measuring stick of, hey, we get it. Okay, our top, you know, our only losses were against top three Michigan and top, you know, two Ohio State, and we just did not take care of business. But that next tier below a top four team, a top three team, we haven't had any games against ranked opponents that we could be measuring ourselves against outside of these top two, top three matchups. So we, I'd like to have a measuring sticks, and and you know. Michigan State last year was one of those, and we lost to them, by the way. And so it would be nice to have that uh, to close out the regular season to give the voters one more shot at seeing us against uh, a worthy opponent and put put together a hard-fought effort and a win against a stout Michigan State team. However, we are faced with these circumstances as they are, and it is a miserable MSU team. And but but are we actually capable of blowing them out as Sparty is fighting for their? Bowl hopes and their non-losing season lives. Um, 
I think so. I, I think to answer your question, Joel, I'm I'm taking the 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 first. Would you rather? I'm taking that. I'd rather face a stout MSU team because you know, in, in order to 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 make an impression this week, we got it. We do have to blow out Michigan State. We have to blow them out. And if it's not a blowout, like it could be the difference between being outside the top ten or inside the top nine. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's also risk playing a strong team because uh, that risk might be you lose, you know, and, and Michigan State has knocked us off. I think this season, all things being equal, it would be really nice to have a ranked opponent on our schedule right now that we could get a quality win, and we don't have that opportunity. So, you know, Michigan State being a down year, um, that's not – that's not been helpful for us, especially losing to Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, the fact that Auburn could have been a really strong team uh, ended up not being so. Even Minnesota looked like they were going to be a team that, um, you know, had a potential to be a quality win. And, and you know, they dropped one or two before they played us and they've dropped one or two that they could have won the last few weeks. So, you know, really all of our wins this year have been teams that are just in another lower bracket, if not multiple brackets lower than, than we are. So we're not going to get that opportunity. I think it would have been nice to have that chance this year. Um, especially if you can walk out of there with a W, um, as it is. Yeah. We, we really need to have a strong showing against Michigan state. Um, and, um, it might be tough to do that. Um, given the fact that they're a quality team. Well, no, let me rephrase that. They have some quality talent on their team. They do not appear to be a quality team this year, but they have enough talent that they can come up and surprise you. Um, if, if we make some wrong moves. So, um, I'm hoping not just for squeaking by, I'm hoping for a solid win. And, um, I think that's a great segue, bro, to talk about this Michigan state game coming up. All right. Um, sure. We've got, you know, a Thanksgiving holiday between now and then, um, you know, Michigan State's going to have to travel after having a miserable loss against Indiana. I really don't know what kind of a game we're going to see. I don't know what kind of a Michigan State team we're going to see. You know, they're coached by Mel Tucker, the $95 million man, <laughs> you know, right. and after a, a stellar 2021, um, you know, where they they beat Michigan and they, you know, finished as a two-loss team, boy, they, they've just had a major setback this season. Overall, their record right now, five and six, three and five in the Big Ten. Um, they're just ahead of Indiana. They are one and away. I'm sorry, one and three away on the road. They are one and three. Their lone win uh, coming against, at the time, number 16, Illinois, which now Illinois, I'm sure, will be uh, fully unranked uh, coming out of this game against Michigan. Um, yeah, that's their lone feather in their cap yeah. is that Illinois win when Illinois was ranked. Um, meanwhile, you look at Penn State, and this team is is on a roll. And um, we're what on we a, didn't dude, mention when we were... We're on a roll in a way that, like, I... we. I did not expect at any point in the season for us to roll like the way we're rolling. You know, um, I we just coming coming out of that Ohio State uh, loss, that emotional loss. It, we could be we could have been crippled from that. I mean, look at look at Tennessee after um, you know losing a close one to Georgia. You know, they just emotionally 
like totally fell out this week against South Carolina. So, you know, a team that was once ranked number one in Tennessee, they they did what, you know, uh, a number a number one team shouldn't do, and they, they totally imploded. But here, Penn State coming out of Ohio State loss and, uh, you know, where basically our big goals were were, were done. You know, we couldn't, can't win the Big Ten. We can't win the Big Ten East. We can't make the CFP. We might not even make a New Year's Six Bowl, potentially, but it's, it's, I mean, the option's there still. But we have put forth together three extremely strong team performances. And like you said, we are on a roll. And Michigan State is wounded. Um, and meanwhile, you know, Mel Tucker um, on that huge contract, he's face planting big time. I'm sure there's a lot of buyer's remorse. Uh, meanwhile, on the other sideline, you've got James Franklin, who um, we neglected to mention when we were talking about Rutgers, uh, came away with his 100th career win. Sure did. In Piscataway. And, um, you know, I don't want to say that um, his 10-year contract is is looking better now. I mean, you still can't get over your chief rivals. Uh, you can't beat those top five teams. But you know what? Um, Franklin this year, compared to Mel Tucker, I, I'm glad we have him. You know, he he's uh, looking more valuable, you know, compared to his contract um, as opposed to Mel Tucker. And so you've got one coach riding high and one coach that's, Kind of in battle. Yeah. Andy, just a real quick uh, mention on Franklin's 100th victory. By the way, congrats. He's our coach. I don't dislike Franklin. I, I dislike some things about Franklin's game, but as a person and as a leader of the Penn State program, I actually am a fan. I do appreciate what he's doing for the program. He definitely has us going in the right direction. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Franklin earned his 100th career victory in his 151st game, and of the 26 other active coaches in college football with 100 wins, only six of them have earned 100 wins in less than 151 games while coaching only at the FBS level. So, you know, we don't have a slouch of a coach. We don't have a total dingus. You know, we we got a guy who knows what he's doing by and large. <laughs> and, and you know, for as much as things irk me about him, it, you know, always a critic, but the, his, his body of work is speaking for itself in a lot of ways. And I don't think we are um, always representing everything that Franklin does for, you know, his his team and, and, and how he's gone about it. And he's done it. He's done as being a, a high character person, in my opinion, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, we got these two coaches um, bringing teams on very different trajectories. And um, it's a little head scratching to me. On paper, Michigan State doesn't look like they're a team uh, that, that should be doing as poorly as they are. Um, so I want to get into that a little bit. But before we do, bro, I was wondering if you could just take us through some of the talent that they have on their team, who should we expect to see making plays for them on offense and defense uh, so we can get a sense of the caliber of player. And then I, I want to shift and talk about what's been their problem this year. Um, well, to me, if, if they're going to, if they're going to beat us, they're going to move the ball a lot through the air. Uh, with uh, with quarterback Peyton Thorne. On the year, he's completing almost 64% of his passes. Uh, he's thrown for almost 2,500 yards. Um, he has 18 touchdowns to 10 interceptions, but he's been getting sacked quite a bit. He's been sacked 15 times. That bodes well for our you know defensive front, especially the way they're rolling lately. Um, uh, maybe their offensive line is a little suspect to some of our talent and some of our playmakers there, so keep an eye on how many times we're getting after him. He's not really the, the most mobile quarterback back there. Uh, 
Uh, so that's that's gonna be fun to tee off on him. But Wisconsin, excuse me, Wisconsin transfer running back Jalen Berger. Um, he's carried the ball almost 150 times this year for nearly 700 yards. He's only averaging 4.7 per carry, which, you know, while that's not great, it's also not the worst. Um, he's added an extra 17 catches for 128 yards in the season for an average of 7.5 yards per catch. Um, his long run is 50 yards, and he has six rushing touchdowns on the, se- on the season. But um, getting back to uh, quarterback Peyton Thorne, his receiving duo, they've got a couple really talented guys back there um, uh, f- uh, to the most uh, talented among them, in my opinion, is, is Jalen Reed, who was a one-time uh, Penn State recruiting target, which uh, I was hopeful for him to actually come to Penn State. But um, he has 49 catches on the air for 600 yards, 12.2 yard average, uh, long of 35 yards. He has five touchdowns on the year. But the guy who leads them in the wide receiver department is Keon Coleman. He's got 50 catches, so almost 100 between those two wide receivers. He's got 50 catches for 700 yards, 14.1 yard average, long of 51 with seven total touchdowns so they will be a threat on the outside um and we without joey porter jr yet again and i assume he will be out for this game as well um barring any you know triumphant uh, recovery from his appendicitis um we will have to have um kaylin king and johnny dixon which, by the way, he made an incredible uh, interception uh, in coverage this week. Uh, he has shored up that other cornerback spot very well. They are going to need to perform very well in covering these guys um, because they'll have their hands full for sure. Um, I just wanted to say before we um, talk about the defense, um, Peyton Thorne, um, he's been a quarterback for them for a few years correct. now. Um, he really burned us last year that is correct. with a couple of clutch <laughs> passes to um, to win the game for Michigan State um, when Penn State um, you know, had a chance to still be in it. Um, his numbers look fairly similar to Sean Clifford's this year. He's thrown a few more interceptions. He's been sacked a few more times, but you know, his completion percentage, his number of yards, number of touchdowns, all very similar. So, um, you know, take that for what you will. He's not the the greatest quarterback in the world, but he's not the worst. And he's, he's definitely their team leader. And, um, we got to watch out for him really help if we can make his day difficult on the day. We also got to shut down, as you said, their, their running backs, which, um, excuse me, their, their, uh, lead running back who's done a good job of, um, moving the ball on the ground for them. So we've got our work cut out for us, um, as a defense, um, Meanwhile, why don't you sh- tell us about some of their defenders who are going to be trying to wreak havoc uh, against our offense when we take the field? Yeah, they've got some playmakers back there for sure. I'm not saying that like these that these are locked down. It's not a lockdown defensive unit by any stretch of the imagination. Um, they are allowing 417 yards per game against their opponents. They are giving up 26.7 yards um, per game. Uh, which is more than their offense is putting up, by the way. And you know they're they're at, they're allowing 236 yards per game uh, through the air, and they're allow, allowing 108 180 yards on the ground. Um, but these defenders stand out amongst the unit uh, on defense as li- linebacker Cal Halliday has 109 total tackles on the year, a sack and a half, and a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. And then from the cornerback position, a guy that has you know is a tackling machine from the the cornerback position almost leads the tack uh, the team in tackles with 93 total. He has three passes defended on the year and three forced fumbles. So we got to look out for these dudes. Um, you know, and from you know. Uh, 
just a, a concept standpoint, I, this defense is suspect. Don't get me wrong. The reason that their uh, defense is having to make all these kinds of tackles is because they're on the field a lot, you know, and, and uh, so it's really going um, it, to, it seems to me like this defense is suspect. And I think that, you know, it just doesn't they don't feel like they got the, the horses to run with our horses on on offense. Um and uh well, we're gonna find out if if they can or they're not or they if they can or they can't playing in front of the final crowd at Beaver Stadium this year, it's gonna be tough for this Michigan State team. Um I don't I don't give them a, a big chance of and, and heck of of putting forth an effort to beat us personally. Yeah, I mean, I think motivation is going to factor into it huge. Uh, overall, they're just scoring less points than Penn State, at, you know, on the season. They're allowing more points than Penn State on the season, even though they do have some talent. They just haven't been able to put it together to actually win games. And um, I, I, if you look at, um, you know, some of the, the you know, metrics and the, you um, money line on the game and things like that. I mean, nobody's picking Michigan state to win. I think Penn state's like something like a 19 point favorite or 17 point favorite or something like that. I mean, it's not really that close. There's a lot of people uh, feeling good about Penn state chances on the day. Um, I guess what I wanted to talk about before we talk about our predictions is what has been the source of Michigan state's underperformance this year. Why haven't they been able to get the ball into the end zone. Why haven't they been able to stop other teams when you still have some talented players on the field? What's going wrong with Michigan State this year? Well, I mean, you know, they had that issue in the Michigan tunnel. Um, you know, I, you got to wonder how that has affected them with the suspensions. Um, and, you know, what. <laughs> What's going on in the locker room? Does Mel Tucker really have? He's he's he hi, he hired a lot of transfers in in both of the last two off seasons, um, and yeah. I what I wonder if if he has if he's quite done creating the culture he wants to create at Michigan State because I I don't think he had I don't think mm, his job it's still only his second year and I bet he's still kind of feeling out what some of these you know players that are holdovers from D'Antonio era like are they are they jiving with with Mel um and and are these transfers coming in and jiving with ones the ones that are here so I, I just wonder if if he, he just still in flux with with having the program in the place that he needs it to be behind closed doors. So I, I think that would speak to how they've 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 just not been able to I mean they had a four game losing streak starting with that that game against Washington um where they just were not competitive at all and then they got beat by Minnesota at home 34 to 7 and then they lost in the road to Maryland 27 to 13 then they got blown out by Ohio State Ohio State scoring 41 points against them um you know, we have, being that we're in the same division with Michigan State, we, we have several common opponents up to this point. Uh, we have, uh, I believe, six. And of those six common opponents, um, they've only beat Rutgers. And we just obliterated Rutgers. And the way that they caved Yikes. in the end to Indiana this past week in double overtime, it's it's just not going in the direction this season. It's you just got to wonder are they are they phoning it in at this point? Are they are they really clued in? Um, it, yeah, so 
I, I, yeah, that's my question. Like, do you think they have anything left in the tank? Do, they, yeah. do you think they have any sort of venom that they can draw upon it, to come back and 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 bite Penn State know, in this last game? You know, land grant trophy game. You plan for some <laughs> yeah, hardware. Right. You know, I don't think um, they do. Penn State season. Do they have anything going? For I don't them think at they all? do, Andy. I think they have. I think they'll do a kind of a similar thing that Rutgers just did. I think they got enough in the tank to like jab us. But they don't got enough in the tank to to do <laughs> to to finish us off to start throwing. Maybe they throw one or two haymakers, but like we're such a juggernaut that we can just stand there and take it, and then just keep going. And then we, when we throw our haymaker, they're just demoralized. That's exactly what happened to Rutgers. Rutgers swung sw- swung a couple times in the first quarter, and we stood there and took it, and then just poured it on. So. Yeah, I, I, I think a similar thing is going to happen this week with Michigan State. They, they'll try their best, but the moment they see, the moment their their push to to fight doesn't bear fruit, I think that that we'll see them kind of collapse under the pressure. And again, this is going to be, you know, senior day. It's going to be Sean Clifford's last game at Beaver Stadium. I really don't think True. Sean Clifford is going point. to go out with his, you know, a, a, a I think he'll put forth one of his better efforts on the day. And dude, when 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 Sean Clifford has a good game, like an actual good game, like that 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 Penn State team is is going to be very difficult to stop, especially with the defense playing the way it's playing. Um, I just keep coming back to this whole idea that like we have just young guys that have infused a new swagger into this team from. You know, the offense, the defense, the special teams, we got players playing at a high level right now, and we are rolling. And I just don't see Michigan State throwing enough um, into our spokes to slow us down. You know, uh, there's a team from South Carolina that just beat the number five team in the country Mm. (laughs) this past weekend. That was at South Carolina, by the way. Put up 63 points on them. So, you know, wacky things happen. That's a fair point. And, um... But I, I do think all of the momentum, all of the intangibles favor Penn State. A very good point about this being senior day. I mean, Sean Clifford, we, we've been saying he's been really kind of a manager back there the last three games. Could this be a day where he has a breakout performance? Um, you know, can our front seven on defense just make life miserable for Peyton Thorne? I, I really I really think it, it's, it's a stretch uh, to see Michigan State um, coming back and 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 pulling an upset after the kind of season that they've had, it means nothing to their season. By the way, to get this win, other than you know so called bragging rights no, no, or whatever. No, no, I disagree with that. I actually disagree with that. It does mean a lot to their season, Andy. Um, it, it, does it? Yes, it does. And here's why: this is their bolt. How so? This is their like. I mean, it's if they win this game, a interdivision rivalry B land grant trophy cool C ruining Penn State's 10 win season in the regular season and D making a bowl game and not having a losing record so so they're still bowl eligible if, if they beat us if they win this game and and mind you a little not that I don't think Franklin's talking about this even a little bit but if Penn State wins this game we come to 500 against Michigan State all time. We are down in the series 17 to 18 and one tie. So, <laughs> so they, they're, they're, I don't like this that they've got something to play. Oh yeah, for. They I mean definitely I don't like do. That. They absolutely. Yeah. Do. Um. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna have to come out. We're gonna have to come out. Um. 
ready to play a, a good game. And like, like you said, you know, someone to Rutgers, like we're going to have to, you know, be ready to take whatever, you know, whimpering strength they have left and shut the door on them and, and pull away. I, I really hope that we do. I really, it would be really tremendous for, you know, Clifford, for Franklin, for the Penn state fan base to come, you know, after the last two years with a 10 win season and a chance to play for uh, a new year's six bowl, of course, we'll be waiting uh, on the the committee for that. Um, so who knows? We, we don't control our destiny there, but it's just, it'll be fun to dream. And and I really hope we come out and, and finish strong on the season with a, a win against uh, Michigan state. So um, knowing that they have something to play for bro, knowing that they've uh, been slouching into these, this last week of the season on the road, on Thanksgiving week, what do you think we're going to see? What's your game prediction this weekend? Well, I believe, you know, by going into the Rutgers game, Penn State was uh, only a 19 or 19 and a half point favorite, um, which felt low to me. And obviously the fact that we spanked them by over double that on the road, mind you, here we are back at Beaver Stadium. I believe Beaver Stadium is going to be rocking. The second half is going to be uh, under the lights uh, for sure. So it'll it'll have a, a kind of a more intense vibe at times, especially if it's close. But I don't think I think by halftime or the early in the third quarter, we'll we'll be like on our way, well on our way to pulling away. I think our defense is going to swarm and smother Peyton Thorne. Um, I think Manny Diaz is going to dial it up to do so. Um, and, you know, Manny Diaz's defense, before he ever pl- played a snap as our defensive coordinator, uh, Colin Plays, we <laughs> we were wondering what we were going to get. Were we going to get this, this defense that was scoring touchdowns and ter- getting turnovers and getting sacks and tackles for loss? Dude, he has this thing rolling. He really does. I mean, we're not the the most highly ranked in all of the statistical categories, nationally speaking, or even Big Ten speaking, and with yards. Like we give up yards, but like, man, do we cause chaos and havoc back there? And and that has, I think, that has even more of a tangible effect on the scoreboard. And the momentums, um, the the momentum in in games are those havoc plays happening than giving up. You know, like we don't we don't have to play Iowa's brand of defense where where we don't give up yards ever. Like you don't have to, the yards don't matter if they're not getting on the scoreboard, right? So um, that's the kind of the trade off there uh, with Manny Diaz's defense. If you're always coming in uh, hard for the, uh, the the tackles for loss and the sacks, then yeah, you're susceptible to, to giving up some yards here and there. I kind of like the trade off, man. It's kind of a uh, I'm not saying Brent Prize defenses never did that, but but we're doing it at a larger clip. So, anyways, to get back to the point here, um, I do foresee us. Um, Beating the spread here, we are an 18 point favorite against Michigan State. I I, I like to, and the over under is uh, 53. Um, I think this could be another the, the kind of game where Penn State scores 40 plus again, man. And and I and I could see us holding the holding the Spartans to to 10, 13 or less kind of thing. Um, so I, I so what do you think? I think What's I'm, I'm going to go 45 to 13. Penn State wins. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah, we'll double it. it up. Yeah. No. What do you got? What do you What do you think? Um, How do you do? You triple up. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so I you know I, I didn't mention earlier. Um. I pulled up the weather in State College. It's going to be rainy. High of forty six. 
Uh, 50% chance of rain through the afternoon, as much as uh, a third of an inch of rain coming down um, over the course of the day. It could be a, a kind of wet, yucky, mucky kind of day. Um, ball security is going to be huge for Penn State. You know, these freshman running backs are going to need to have grown from that Northwestern game. I do think it's going to make it a slightly lower scoring game because um, I don't know that the passing game Before really gets you going. keep going um, with this line of this train of thought, let me ask you a question. Where did you look that weather report up? What website? Uh, this is through the Weather Channel. Okay, well, I got AccuWeather pulled up here, which is, by the way, located in State College. AccuWeather. Oh, yeah. What do you got there? AccuWeather out of State College. They say variable clouds with a shower possible, 35% chance. Uh, I'm seeing a forecast of no inches of precipitation, uh, but they are saying it could be pretty windy. Wind gusts of up to 33 miles per hour with a, with a more of a, a driving wind of uh, 18 miles per hour. So uh, that could be, that could play a role. The wind could play a role, but, but it might not be as rainy as, as you think it will be so uh, obviously we're and of course we're several like days what, out five six days out so this this can change but it's looking right now like whether it's rain or wind there may be some weather that that hampers the passing game um so you know i'm gonna say uh we do get the running game going our defense makes life miserable for michigan state and i'm going a 31 to 13 victory in a solid win for Sean Clifford's last day. And Franklin gets win number 101. We get our 10th and we sit around waiting to see what happens in the rest of the college football world and hope for a new year's six bowl. That's not the cotton bowl. <laughs> I like those. I like those chances. Uh, what do you, what do you see? What do you think? What do you think we're going to see out of Clifford just in general in his last game as a, as a Penn state signal caller, the most, the most highly decorated Penn state signal caller in history is playing his last game in Beaver stadium. What do you think you'll see? Honestly, I think we're going to see something similar uh, to what we've seen the last few weeks. I think it's going to be fairly conservative in the passing game. I, I think he gets under 200 yards passing, maybe a touchdown or two. Um, I think he plays a clean game. He's going to need to. Michigan State has a talent to to you know make uh, your mistakes uh, come back to bite you. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so I, I do see a clean game, but I, I just don't see him going off and having a having the kind of day that you know, would, would, you know, send him off with a 300 plus yard day. Um, he, he does what he needs to do to get the W. Hey, before we finish up here, Andy, uh, you know, this is our last, um, game, uh, week that we will be giving a look ahead. Uh, and, True. and it's this upcoming week is a big week around college football too. Um, there are some big time rivalry games happening. Um, let's just real quick. I'm going to give you a couple games. I want to hear your take on the game. First of all, we got none other than the top three matchup, um, Michigan at Ohio state. Uh, I, I don't need a prediction, but like, what do you, what, what do you think? You can give a prediction, but what do you think? What's going to happen? I don't need a, I don't need a score, but like, what do you think is going to happen in the game? This is really interesting. And of course, this past weekend, both of these teams seemed suspect. And it's possible you had a, you know, a looking ahead effect. Um, this is going to be a heavyweight bout. I mean, this is Frazier, you know, versus Ali. Yeah. You know, this is uh, Foreman versus 
whoever Foreman fought Tyson. You know, these are two beat up um, teams though. Too they got they got depth. Depth. They're playing these. That's positions. what I'm saying. These are heavyweights. They're coming in after a long season, and they're just going to be laying haymakers. I really don't know what. I feel like it could go either way. I, I give us the, before this past week, I would have given Michigan the edge. Now I'm not so sure. Um, I think what we really want is this to be a well played game that ends up being fairly close. And uh, the CFP says, wow, those are two great football teams. We got to we got to think about letting them both in, um, you know, and um, of course, whoever wins has got to go to the, uh, you know, Big Ten championship game and win. But I, I'm looking for a good game and um, I, I kind of don't have a, a pony in this in this race. I, I'm just I'll just be looking forward to watching some good TV. <laughs> By the way, thanks, Fox, putting it at noon because, you know. Last thing you want to do uh, when you have your greatest game of all time is to wait up late. I mean, let's get out of the way early yeah. so we don't have to worry the about it. The noon kickoff is still just one of the more hated <sighs> things that anyone does Anyone does in college football is the noon kickoff on Fox. Um, yeah, so what else uh, we got well, uh, so this weekend? The, the other big one would be uh, Notre Dame at USC. Um Oh man, this is a big game. Yeah. Eileen is um, really not looking forward to it because she's worried that Notre Dame is is not going to look great against USC. I tell you what, USC's offense looks for real, but Notre Dame they've been coming on strong and they're playing well. You know, they held Ohio State to twenty one points, and um, that was before they really uh, got their um, feet under them with uh, Marcus Freeman, their new coach. I think Notre Dame could surprise USC and 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 play spoiler. I think so too. That's what I'm hoping for, I think so of course. Too. I, I would love to see Notre Dame. That's a what a seven thirty game and so that that will be a fun game to to cap off the day. Um go Irish. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm gonna give you one or two maybe uh, other games that are are interesting to Penn State um as far as games to watch. Uh we do have and by the way we don't have the rankings out because the college football playoff rankings are tonight and by the way this past week they tried to sandwich them in between two basketball games on the ESPN programming. It, it was very dumb. I, I had to sit through two overtimes of Michigan State, by the way, beating number four, unranked Michigan State, beating number four Kentucky at the time. It was actually exciting, but there was literally another college football game playing. Why wouldn't you do it during the halftime show? Like I, I had to wait over an hour for this for the rankings. Anyways, so these rankings don't reflect necessarily what the CFP's rankings are going to be, but um, Number six, LSU is playing at Texas A&M, which is this is basically Texas A&M de facto bowl game. Uh, their, their, their chance to, to ruin someone's season uh, and hopefully help us by getting another, you know, r- rising another uh, point here. But Texas A&M barely beating UMass. Do you give them a chance at all against LSU who seems to have things rolling with Brian Kelly? No, I mean, I give them as much of a chance as Michigan State has against Penn State. Wow. So, you know, it's a talented team. You know, who knows what can Andy, happen? Uh, you know, Ryan Kelly. You say kind of, yeah, you say like you want LSU to lose. So, are they so looking they forward to the, and then they can? They might be looking forward to that big, ten, yeah. or excuse me, the SEC championship game, dude. And then if LSU wins the SEC championship game, they're not going to give it to a three-loss LSU. So, um, you know, but. Honestly, I just I'm enjoying watching this Texas A&M team collapse. I don't. I, I, I give give me give me either result. You I'm know, calling the upset. Either LSU steamrolling Texas A&M. Texas A&M is gonna let's do it. Gonna, let's they're still it. gonna be non-bowl eligible. They're still gonna be a losing team, and this game is gonna propel them into their offseason um, with their hopefully keeping their highly ranked 
recruiting classes intact. Um, there really isn't um, too much else. I mean, Iowa State's playing number four TCU. Uh, I, I don't really uh, Apple Bowl. Yeah. Right? Well, so yes, correct. Um, that you know, number I forget what Oregon's going to be dropping to here, but ba- or, or climbing to here. Excuse me. They play Oregon State. Uh, Oregon plays Oregon State at Oregon State. Here's one that's actually interesting to me: is does Auburn have what it takes under Cadillac Williams to beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl, which is being played at I mean, Alabama? That would, any of these games you just mentioned, I'd love to see an upset. Yeah. You know, Oregon State over Oregon, Wash State over Washington, and yeah, Auburn over Alabama. That would all be great. It all helps Penn State, um, you know, by taking a highly ranked team and giving them another loss. Um, I don't know if we're going to see it. Um, I, if we get one out of three of those um upsets I'd, i would take sure it. all right all right that's basically what we got from the look ahead there's definitely other games that are interesting and i'm sure we'll have another upset or two that we aren't looking at currently on the on the slate but that's what we got for you this week um you know yeah a couple things as we close here um first of all we didn't mention um penn state is playing on fox sports one. Oh, really i thought it was at 10 4 p.m but okay i think it's fox sports one is last i saw 4 p.m game in beaver stadium um and, um, you know, next week is also, um, the week between the end of the season and, uh, the, uh, you know, final, um, championship game. So I don't know friends if we're going to be recording on Monday or Tuesday or later in the week. So stay posted, um, because as Tom said, we aren't going to have a look ahead game. Um, so we haven't sorted out our schedule. Don't worry. We will get you the full recap of the Michigan state game. Um, and we'll be with you here as the uh, final weeks of the season shake out. But, um, uh, looking forward to that 10th win, bro. Oh, yeah. Um, thanks for sticking with me for 11 games. We'll get 12th one under the, under the belt here. And, uh, boy, go lions, right? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> let's get that. It, it always starts with, I love you. It always starts with, I love And it ends with I love We are Penn State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 